hello, hello. Welcome to Sustainable 120. 120. We are your friendly little environment podcast, all about people and the planet, and why, despite everything being nosed, we can have a chuckle about it every now and then, ain't we all? And oh, uh, what have we got coming up this week then? Well, in answer to your first question, yes, we are. Uh, in answer to your second question, we've got a number of things coming up this week, including what my little baby old calls hot dogs. Hot dogs? Hot dogs. What's that then? Well, he actually means hedgehogs. What doesn't he say? Hedgehogs. Because he's small. Because he's an idiot. Yeah. yeah. Hot dogs are all dead or dying. We're losing all the hot dogs in the countryside, and we're going to talk about that and why it's a problem. And more excitingly, we're going to be talking about, well, what, what do you have to do to get sausages into a form where they can be sold? Uh, to pack them. Exactly. Uh. You have to... Chris Packham oh, them. Chris Packham them. Yeah, because yes. Chris Packham's been out on the streets with loads of people who care about the hot dogs dying and all the other things dying. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the genuinely radical proposals that have been put forward to sort that out. And we're going to be talking about loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of things that drowned in America. God, things? What sort of things? Uh, pigs. Pigs. Yeah. So that's... Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Pack them. Pigs. pigs. What's the link? Pigs. Sausages. Sausages. Very good non-vegan link. Oh, uh, <laughs> just the usual disclaimer before we start with any of that nonsense. We do work for environmental charities, but these are very much our own views. So if you've got any pork with anything, <laughs> beef, pork, whatever, you can get pork sausages, can't you? Absolutely, yeah, Dave. That's uh, why I said sausages as oh, the yes, link. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, see, I don't, I don't know this stuff. Uh, with anything that we say, take it up with me or him, uh, but not with anyone for whom we work. Yes? Very good. I must start this podcast. <laughs> must start this mustard. Yeah, listen, I edited out the 30-second pause while I thought of that pun. Just say thank um, you to me later. Must start. Jesus shitting, oh God, we're all going to die. It's all our favourite section. <laughs> yes, yes, lovely yes. section. Section where we realise that for a myriad reasons, uh, we're all going to hell in a handcart. And that handcart, uh, which is filled with spikes, is also covered in petrol and on fire and you're in it naked. Think, well, talking of things that are filled with spikes, uh, this is about... Hedgehogs or hot dogs. Hot dogs. As Baby Ol would say, because he's a cretin. Um, and the story <laughs> is this. There are none hedgehogs left <laughs> ever. Not quite true. Well, Not mostly. quite true. But where they should be, you know, the countryside, yes. outdoors in fields and stuff, very few. Yes, this was uh, a thing that came in over the... Uh, summer break for the babble. I suppose some people were working in early September, but not us. Uh, And it was a a story in The Guardian that said, most of countryside now devoid of hedgehogs study finds. Yeah. I think a lot of the kids that we see today, when they grow up and have children, those children aren't going to see hedgehogs. I think it's very sad. I mean... (laughs) Thanks for joining us on this week's Sustainable. <laughs> well, what's to say about that? Well, loads of things, actually, as it turns out. Yeah, numbers have fallen by 80%. 80, 80 
percent since since when since, since 1950 odd they uh, reckon that is like basically that's like to all intents and purposes none more hedgehogs in the southwest of england none yes that was the bit that, that none made me go hedgehogs. a little bit cold and sweaty it's yes. like not not that there are eighty percent fewer hedgehogs in the southwest of England. It's that they didn't. Well, yeah, they yeah. didn't find any with their tunnel trap things. But yes, yeah, they didn't find any with their rabid salivating dogs. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, uh, that's, I set a hedgehog trap in my back garden the other day. Why? Uh, because I took part in the London Wildlife Trust. Uh, what was it called? Urban Urchins Project. It's really good. What's Recommend that? it. Well, you make a little tunnel, which is like a hedgehog. Um, it's not really a trap because it doesn't trap them, but it's really cool. Combines like art and craft with nature. It's very good. And you you make your own little kind of ink out of an ink powder they send you and some olive oil, and you put that on a piece of paper and you shove that underneath a tunnel and you put some cat food in the middle of the tunnel to attract the hedgehogs. And if they go in there, they walk on the ink and then walk across the blank bit of paper and they leave nice footprints. What's well, so you're graffitiing hedgehogs. Yeah, I suppose it's like sort of tar and feather from the olden days. <laughs> this is terrible. I'm going to get you on the list. Where's that list? <laughs> well, the, the, good, the good news is there aren't any hedgehogs, uh, certainly none in my garden. Oh. So none got tarred, tarred and feathered. Hooray! <laughs> and the fox ate the cat food. All right, everyone. So today we're going to look at how to clean your hedgehog. I've done hedgehog bath videos in the past, but this time I'm going to get more in detail just how to clean them. Well, although uh, numbers of hedgehogs in urban areas are supposed to be holding up. Yes, this was the one bit of good news from the study. It uh, it looks like we've stopped completely killing them in the towns and cities in our back gardens. That is genuinely good news. Yeah, but I mean, weird though, because you you hear that with bees. Like, towns and cities are one of the few places where bee decline isn't that rapid. Partly because so many people have got different flowers that flower all times of the year, so they've got plenty to eat, but. Isn't it weird that these like urban conurbations are where wildlife is okay? Go back and listen to episode 62, your friendly weekly environment podcast, which was about the state of nature. Yes. Uh, when we talked about all this stuff, we talked about it in generality. Big old report that come out and it said, see nature, see in a state. <laughs> Absolute state of it. Things in the countryside, all buggered. That's what they said. And they said it's cause of a couple of things. They said it's cause of climate change a bit. So climate change is affecting how species live. It's pushing species further north because it's warmer, which is buggering up the species that are in the north. But also agriculture, and that's your main culprit big old farming taking an axe to coppices wherever that is sounds like a sex toy but what do i know and does hedgerows it, does it sound like a sex toy coppice yeah yeah no i don't think it does oh you are awful but i like you taking an axe to coppices i prefer it when we have guests on <laughs> it sort of it tempers your smart somehow <laughs> rich coming from you uh, by the way you know what uh, hedgehogs like to do all no they like to curl up into prickly balls how's your week been <laughs> gosh uh, i've had better weeks do you, do you want to talk about it with the listeners not hugely <laughs> i mean i've been to the doctor with a complaint say, i've been showing people my prickly balls who wouldn't ordinarily want to show my prickly balls to Um, Let me talk about something else now. Destroying coppices and hedgerows. That's what agriculture does. Put me right off my stride. Which is where your hedgehogs live. There's a clue in the name. They are hogs, sort of, that live in a hedge. 
Definitely, right? And the other thing they're doing, oh, and this is relevant to your mega freakout. You remember your mega freakout? Yes, I still have it. Yes. What episode was it? 92. Episode 92. We remember that one, don't we all? We don't mm. remember the other ones, but no. we remember your meltdown. Episode 92, <laughs> which is when we looked at the death of all the insects. Yes. Uh, what, according to a study in Germany, are buggered, uh, and hedgehogs eat baby insects. Uh, yes, although I think that study was flying insects, wasn't it? I think that was a study looking at the, the mass of flying insects. Uh, in trees yes. uh, and I don't think hedgehogs fly although pigs might fly so you never know uh, but yeah uh, the theme is absolutely accurate that if all the earthworms are going and little beetles and things like that that hedgehogs eat then by default uh, there are going to be fewer hedgehogs sustained by that population so we've got farming knackering up uh, the places where they live removing their homes we've got mainly farming and our overuse of kind of pesticides and chemicals uh, killing all of the things that provide their food but there is another culprit yes uh, drivers oh okay there are two other culprits 100,000 hedgehogs killed on the road according to the British Hedgehog Preservation Society oh 100,000 of the buggers every year squished squished I'm surprised in a way in a way that is a heartening statistic because well obviously it's horrible but i remember growing up that you would frequently see squished hedgehogs on the roads where i grew up and now you don't and i don't think it's because the hedgehogs are going to you know green cross code school i think it's because there are far far fewer of them um but it's so in a way i'm pleased that there are enough for a hundred thousand to be killed each year but obviously that won't last forever crikey well you you ought to get out and go and have dinner with ben hoare h-o-a-r-e the features editor of bbc wildlife who says nationally we also tend to feel sorry for the underdog and seeing all those hedgehogs squashed on the road probably makes us even more fond of them yeah yeah i think me and ben hoare would get along i'm very fond of hedgehogs i uh i saw a hedgehog in the summer in France. That doesn't count. Doesn't count. Not one of our hedgehogs, is it? No. Like the European hedgehog coming over here, sticking its spikes in when they're not wanted. Yeah. Uh, it was oh, it was lovely. We were sat outside and it was a very quiet night and I heard this little rustle. It was, you know, there was... You called him Russell? No, I didn't call him Russell. I called him Bob, obviously. Uh, and I heard a little rustle in the leaves. It had all been very dry, so anything moving in the leaves was very crisp. And I was like, mm, that sounds, you know, small mammal size but bigger than a mouse uh turn my head torch on and there it was and they move fast yeah, they, do move, they fast. move really fast yeah that's right barely take your trousers off did you <laughs> yeah and friend of the babble rachel kennelly uh, go back and listen to episode 95 she told me that she knows people a bit younger than me a lot younger than you obviously Dave right, right. Um, but not that much younger than me who have never seen a hedgehog um, and I just think it's you know a sort of mythical feature of the British countryside which basically is what it's turning into but yeah and my girlfriend was in a place called <coughs> F- what we'll go back and listen to episode 114 no 113 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Friend of the Babble, your girlfriend. Friend She's been girl. on the show. Yeah. She has, yeah. Uh, she was in Frinton on Sea, which is in Essex. Don't know why that's relevant. Isn't really, other than they appear to have hedgehogs there. But it was when that mega, 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 mega heat wave was going on. You remember? In the summer. I do. It's brilliant. It was horrible. And uh, she, it was not brilliant if you were a hedgehog, because she it was nighttime, and she heard, like, distressed hedgehog sounds, the sounds that can only be coming from a distressed hedgehog. And it's d- disorientated What's hedgehog. Dis- distressed distressed, distressed hedgehog. Sound, Dave. <coughs> <You> sure. <laughs> yeah, it'll do. <laughs> and it was really thirsty. She put some water down for it, and it just oh. drank and drank and drank and drank and drank and drank and drank. And just think how many hedgehogs must have died. Oh. Oh. But there are some bastards, aren't there, Al? Hedgehog bastards. No, well, there are bastards that kill hedgehogs. Yeah, badgers. Badgers. Now then, allow me to say before we go any further, because I know some of you are writing us emails already, we don't dislike badgers, do we all? Well. Don't. We'll get No, okay, all right, we don't. Yeah, fine. You do, though. Look at your face. Well, I do in this context. Go on, then. What's happened? Well, they're eating hedgehogs. Well, they're just being badgers. Yeah, but... They're eating hedgehogs. But we've got enough badgers these days. We've got, like, apparently, it says here, the number of badgers has doubled in some mm, space of time, um, (laughs) which has, uh, mean you know, they eat hedgehogs. And not only do they eat hedgehogs, they eat the things that hedgehogs eat, which is beetles. And the thing about a badger is it's bigger than a hedgehog, so it goes up to the hedgehog and it goes, Oi, spiky, give. Yeah. And just, like, takes its beetles. What have you got there? Nothing. Takes its beetles. What have you got there? Yeah. My, My lunch? And foxes eat hedgehogs and all, apparently. Do they? Apparently, says here. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but you can't go around blaming an animal for eating another animal when, like, we've knocked the block off animal A and we haven't knocked the block off animal B. Although we are trying to knock the block off animal <laughs> B quite viciously at the moment. I'm not. I'm not in any way supporting knocking the block off either animal. But like, badgers just being a badger. Yes. No, I totally agree. And I mean, there was a thing in said report that the Guardian were writing about that said, you know, badgers and hedgehogs have managed to coexist for a very long time. <laughs> maintaining healthy population numbers like it's not just that the badgers have got a bit got a bit brexit about hedgehogs <laughs> look at you what's his name Stuart lee should do a scene about hedgehogs coming over here all spiky my name's paul nuts all of you kips right hedgehog quiz Yes, finally, come on. Are you ready for the hedgehog quiz? Never been ready yet. Right, okay, good. Now I'm going to give you some FAQs. These are frequently asked questions. Thank you for explaining FAQs. FAQ, well, yeah, and they are off of the British British Hedgehog Preservation Society, whose patrons include uh, Spherical Dancing Zealot and Widdicombe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think you'd have the cojones to call it that. (laughs) And uh, John Chalice, otherwise known as... Boise from Only Fools and Horses no way. is apparently a big fan of the hedgehogs and a patron of the British Hedgehog Preservation Society. Come along, Marlene. Get your coat. We're leaving. <laughs> um, I wonder how many policies spherical... What did you call her? I haven't got the guts to say it twice. Spherical Dancing Zealot. Yes. Was that her name? Yeah. Uh, Anne Whittaker. <laughs> I 
can't believe you called her that. Remember how many policies she has voted for that have resulted in the death of hedgehogs? Oh, no, she loves a bit of wildlife and Whittacombe. Yeah, but, you know, her. She was, she's been in a few governments that presumably have presided over the continuing decline of hedgehogs as a result of, you know, killing the countryside. I don't remember Margaret Thatcher having a war on hedgehogs policy. <laughs> I don't remember any of the prime ministers we've had, you know, explicitly going after the hedgehog. But, yeah, I think it's just a bit... Bit much. Anyway, all. look, hedgehog quiz. Right, so uh, question number one: What food should I offer to my hedgehog visitors? Uh, cat food. Uh, yes, or dog food. Correct. <laughs> uh, or uh, uh, are we still talking about food, not drink? Yes. Uh, cat biscuits. Yes. Seriously. Yes. Amazing. Or. Dog biscuits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or hedgehog food. Oh, right. That's the, the number one answer. What food shall I offer to my hedgehog visitors? The answer is hedgehog food. So you can buy hedgehog food. The best thing is hedgehog food. Uh, the only drink is... Water. Very good. Especially... Not milk. No. When should you most do it? When they're thirsty. Which is likely to be... During heat waves. Right. Very good. And when you're giving them... Grief. No. <laughs> what sort of food? Oh, uh, pet food. Badger food. No, <laughs> hedgehog food. Dry food, you oh. Molly. Oh, I see. So you put right. down okay. some dry or cat or dog biscuits. Actually, it doesn't say a dog biscuits. They're massive anyway. You can't give a hedgehog one of them bone things. <laughs> a colossal rusk in the shape of a bone. You can't There do you that. go, Sonny Jim. Got this from the butcher. It's the thigh bone of an elephant. <laughs> there are some brilliant questions on here. Question number two. Um, now, think carefully about the answer to this question. Can I just congratulate myself here? Because I think you were expecting I would say put down milk for uh, a drink. Mm. But that's the thing you're not supposed to put down, is it? And what's the other thing? You're not supposed Bread? to put down? Yeah. Not supposed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same with ducks. Like, all the advice is don't chuck bread. I feel like a right killjoy when I go to the ponds. Like you see people having a lovely, wholesome time, you know, offering their lovely bit of hovis to the ducks, and I'm like, uh, can you not? You should. You shouldn't really be doing that. Oh. Question number two: What is the best way to pick up a hedgehog if you need to, if it's in urgent need of help, not just because you want to cuddle it? Uh, you should probably wear gloves. Yeah, that's good. Or if you don't have any gloves, what else could you do? Uh, like put your hands underneath so it's sort of on its tummy and legs and stuff. Put your hands underneath. So it's yeah, kind you know, of like tummy and legs and stuff. scoop it. No, put a towel on it. Folded <laughs> towel. Fold right, it so towel. you don't have gloves, but you do have a towel handy. Yeah, well, you're more likely to have a towel handy on. You've got hedgehog gloves just kicking around the house. You've got a towel around. You're the house. in your garden. Yes. You might have gardening gloves, right? I suppose you might not have a towel. Yes, okay, fair point. Yeah, all right, very good. Yeah. Um, question number three I've seen a hedgehog that looks drunk. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> um. No, no, I don't think it is okay. What should you What should you offer the hedgehog if it looks drunk? Uh, strong coffee, um, the bed for the night, and the offer to talk it through in the morning. <laughs> you need to offer it some help. Well, uh, what does that mean? Well, pick it up with some garden gloves and call the British Hedgehog Preservation Society. That's what you do with it. Right. Um, question number four. In fact, this isn't a question. It's a statement. This quiz is shit. No, this is a good quiz. Question number four. Help. <laughs> I've harmed a hedgehog while streaming. 
euphemism. <laughs> I think so. Sounds like what you've done, isn't it? It's <laughs> very remarkably simple. <laughs> It's only really through a bit of streaming that I've discovered this problem, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah, look, not a funny business. That's how that knocks the block off awful lot of hedgehogs. That does, getting strimmed. Oh. Uh, so if you got a, if you remotely think you've got hedgehogs in your garden, don't go around strimming. Strimming's one of those activities that I just associate with busybody, probably like newly retired busybody men who don't know what to do with themselves and are finding... Sort of noisy petrol-powered jobs to do in the garden, and pointlessly, I've probably offended everybody I know on this. But like, no. just pointless. All of the, all of the garden. If you're at all into wildlife and you're lucky enough to have a garden, all of the advice is like, leave it like messy. Don't make things too neat. Like, just leave a bit of space for wildlife. Well, yeah, need a strimmer, no. honestly. I'm going to give you some other hedgehog questions. It's okay. not from the hedgehog quiz. Okay. Uh, what is the uh, relationship between a hedgehog and a porcupine? Uh, none whatsoever. Good, isn't it? Yeah. Nature and an echidna. Nature has evolved that three times separately. So, spiky, echidna, spiky mammal thing. Echidna, porcupine, hedgehog, totally unrelated. Yeah, I know. Wow. An echidna, is an echidna a mammal? I don't know. Anyway, but totally uh, unrelated. Platypus, I think. No, hang on. Marsupial. Right. <laughs> a platypus is also a marsupial. Yeah. I always assumed that a porcupine was like, you know, hench hedgehog. But <laughs> it, isn't that totally unrelated? Are you done? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> in Morocco, inhaling a smoked hedgehog, so, you know, one on fire, burnt skin or bristles, uh, will cure male impotence and urinary illnesses. No, it won't. No, it won't. I suggest you try that when you go away. <laughs> It won't do that. And one of these days we're going to live in a world where there are billions of people who think that by grinding up some small bit of an endangered animal, they're going to suddenly become like, what's his name in the sack? Who's the prodigious one? What? From history and books and myths and stuff. Uh, Alan Sugar. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Not Quasimodo, not... Richard Nostradamus. Oh, what was his name? Who are you talking about? You know, like oh, legendary... Shag- Shagalot. Captain yeah. Shagalot. Lothario type. What's his... Casanova. Casanova, thank yeah. you. Right. right. God. Uh, right. Not Alan Sugar. Not Alan Sugar. You two, off you go. Hello, I'm Chris Packham, and you're listening to Sustain a Babble. Right, that is quite enough of talking about random hedgehog facts and how they're all dead and how it's all the badger's fault. What we're going to talk about now is a rather splendid thing, which is what people are doing about it. Mm. So, last weekend, there was the majestic spectacle of thousands of people taking to the soggy streets of London to say, all this wildlife death, up with which we will not put. And it was coordinated by Friends of Babel, Chris Packham. Go back and listen to episode twenty. Four? Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a marvel the walk for wildlife, people's walk for wildlife. And look, I'm gonna be totally honest about this. Right. I was a bit worried that this would be a small gathering of sort of terribly well meaning people going, We like wildlife, can we just protect it a bit? And that was it. And it wouldn't really have any sort of focus to it and it wouldn't be very well attended and 
because you know these big marches are people people know how to organize these big marches and they've been doing it for years and it's all the same people and this was a sort of different thing and i was worried about it but it was none of those things it was very big even though it was a soggy bit of amplification means that we have succeeded in drenching a bit of our capital in birdsong representing those missing and millions the, that we the best thing about it is that chris packham and chums have produced this what's that all this is a manifesto for wildlife, a people's manifesto for wildlife, which has got 200 ideas for things that you could do that would, like, across a whole... Re- 18 different, like, areas, farming, education, all the rest of it. That would make a big difference and would, would reverse the decline of wildlife in the UK. And it's brilliant and it's radical and it doesn't pull any punches and it's not saying, well, you know, ideally we do this, but pragmatically we should do this. It's fantastic. It's good, isn't it? Uh, 200 ideas. I don't think I've had 200 ideas in my life and I've been at this for a while. Um, <laughs> what, life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's yeah, great. That's, that's only, what, four ideas a year for you, isn't it? And you're at 200. Ruffle. Uh, yeah, and what's very good about it is it has proper goes at people. Like, as a go, we've just been talking about uh, how their jobs have been buggered by farming. As a go at all the farmers, specifically not all the farmers, but the National Farmers Union. Oh, that's what's so brilliant about it. Because, you know, he calls them bastards. He calls them bastards. Hang on, I'll find the quote. Doesn't use the word bastard, obviously. No, because he's Chris Backham. He's permanently polite. Uh, hang on. Uh, we should point out that we're using a paper copy, uh, not because we hate the planet, but because we had a paper copy lying around and Chris Packham's website crashed at exactly the time yeah. we were trying to record the battle. You should, so you should sort that out, really. Here we go. Here we go. Right. So, you know, farmers, right? And this, bearing in mind, this was all very kind of, uh, uh, the whole tone of it was very friendly and Michael Gove was presented with the manifesto and everything, which makes it even more effective that he stuck a huge, great big quote in there from a farmer called Guy Watson uh, saying this, I don't feel represented by the NFU, which is the National Farmers Union. In fact, I find myself increasingly alienated by their self-righteous lobbying for the short-term interests of a small number of large-scale farmers. This especially applies to their resistance to even the tamest environmental regulation, to public access to land and to any redirection of farming subsidies to encourage younger, smaller-scale entrants to the industry. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Govey. One of its recommendations uh, is also in the news, uh, which is in a slightly different way, because it calls upon the BBC, uh, Her Majesty Aunty Beeb, and it says, Oi, BBC, go on, make a massive documentary about how buggered up biodiversity is, will you? About all the hedgehogs and the high brown fritillaries and the ugly fish and all that stuff. Uh, Now, the BBC haven't done that, or as far as I know, they have done that, but, I mean, David Attenborough has been kind of doing that for a long time, although he tends to talk about individual sad animals rather than great big nexus of sad animals but anyway but what they have done is uh, they have coming out uh, maybe today depending when you listen to this there is a new documentary coming out and it is presented not by esteemed non-Nigerian Sir David Attenborough but by friend of the babble go back and listen to episode 93 your friend and mine Liz Boninol yeah Liz Boninol Liz Boninol (laughs) what's it about it's about plastics and it's about how, well, kind of one year on from Blue Planet 2, uh, basically plastics 
everywhere. The devastating consequences of the plastic pollution crisis in our oceans. Uh, and it's, it's what's it called? Drowning in plastic, which gives you an impression of a barrel of laughs that this TV show is going to be. Plastic. I know many plastic. Oh my god. There are people fishing in it. Yes. Overnight, an enormous raft of plastic waste has appeared. Over a mile long and stretching across the entire width of the river. I have never seen anything like, quite like this. What is going on? What is going on? But also, apparently, it's not all doom and gloom, so the press release says. Uh, Going to look at some of the lovely inventions like... Mm, ropeless lobster pots that doesn't get me particularly excited but anyway uh sounds good sounds like it'll be a continuation of the welcome attention on how much plastic is screwing up everything uh related to which did you see the recent article in the guardian that said that mosquitoes are like sort of getting plastic from wherever in their bits and then injecting it into people i did not see that yeah Let me me draw it up for you. No, I think I've probably heard all I need to know about that. Sustainable of the Week. So, sustainer babble of the week. This has been a while. Whoa, this is this is our raison d'etre. Considering this is what we call the podcast and the first idea we ever had about it, we don't do this often enough anymore. I think we exhausted the babble out there. Until now. Until now. Now, you'll have noticed that there's been some extreme weather everywhere. There has, right. All the time. Yes. And the latest was hurricanes, which, you know, are normal for this time of year, but bad ones. Uh, and this one was Hurricane Florence, I think. Well, that was the most recent at the time of recording, which is yeah. about a week before you listen to this. So, gorgeous. Right, what's so coming almost certainly more death and destruction has, has come tumbling down in the Pacific somewhere. But anyway, this is on the east coast of America. Uh, I think it hit land in South Carolina, but, but wheeled round into North Carolina, where there was floods, biblical floods, huge, great big galumphing floods. Now, what was not hugely reported, for obvious reasons, was that as well as the human tragedies and the property lost and all the rest of it, uh, pigs. Pigs were drowned. And chickens. And a lot of chickens. Yeah. A lot of chickens. There was a grimity, grimity, grim-faced, grim article in The Guardian describing how, you know, when people eventually return to their homes, they will see a lot of chicken carcasses you know, pressed up against their doors and on their porches and all the rest of it. They're just floating around, uh, literally hundreds of thousands of them. Horrible business, isn't it? Uh, and, you know, most of them, I think, were killed just by, you know, being flooded. But some of them all were killed by not nice. Not yes. nice. I mean, the phrase fecal soup... Fecal soup. ...isn't... It's not a nice phrase. And it's not a nice phrase when you consider that it's preceded by the words drowned in. <laughs> well, discharging is the actual word, but discharging is a terrible word. Discharge, discharge is one of the worst words it in is. the English language. Actually. It's horrific. Uh, discharging fecal soup, because you get these lagoons that fill up with like pig poo and stuff yeah. when you've got these big pig farms. Uh, and then they have flooded. Now, um, where's the babble coming? Well, 
I would love to tell you that, <laughs> but unfortunately, you've done very well, I must say. Unfortunately, my my laptop has died, and yes. I don't have my. Has it been? Has it had some fecal soup discharged upon it? It may have drowned in <laughs> in fecal matter. It's very possible. The amount of shit I spout when I've got it in front of me, uh, it's it's died. So I can't tell you the exact babble. But needless to say, when people were going, this isn't very nice. All of this, you know, animals drowning in these floods and their fecal soup drowning them. Um, um, the, the people representing the industry went, ah, it's not that bad though, is it? While we are dismayed by the release of some liquids from some lagoons, we also understand that what has been released from the farms is the result of a once-in-a-lifetime storm and that the contents are highly diluted with rainwater. Hey, oh, oh, I've got an idea. I'm going to have a poo in a bucket. <laughs> what i'm gonna do uh we haven't got a bucket in here as vibar pointed out we've got nothing in here um i did contemplate actually go back and listen to our wonderful interview with vibar Craig and reed last episode 119 i did contemplate when you walked into the recording suite today having like, every plant i could get my hands on in here but transporting yeah. florists into here <laughs> yeah but i couldn't be bothered so we're in the usual featureless uh pit uh, but yeah i'm gonna have a poo in a bucket and then I'm going to fill it with lots of water. Lots and lots and lots of water. I'm going to highly dilute it. Right. Uh, will you drink that bucket of poo water? I'm going to pass, if that's okay. I'm sure you would, but would you drink it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. I, that doesn't comfort me. There are so many offensive things about that statement. First of all, the euphemistic some liquid. Some liquid. You mean the piss and shit, the yeah. fecal matter. Yes. 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 Uh, and what was it? Some, some, some lagoons. Some lagoons. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mean the huge cavernous pits into which you hold, pour this fecal matter and it's held there. Uh, and, then, and then describing these hurricanes uh, as a, a once in a lifetime event. Like, it, it's the very opposite. That's the whole point. They're becoming more frequent. Like, <laughs> ah! Ah! The only good thing to say is that I did read, I think in that same article, that after a hurricane in 1999, can't remember its name, that dumped significantly less water from the sky uh, than Hurricane Florence did, an awful lot more piggies died. And after that, they did, about the only bit of regulation has ever been imposed on them, as far as I can tell, they did say, right, you have got to make these these pig farms much more resistant to uh to floods moved them they in fact they compensated they compensated the farmers they paid them a lot of money to move their farms basically to higher ground and the result was even though a shit ton more water came down in hurricane florence significantly fewer pigs were killed so that is you know something you remember back in episode 82 or when we talked no. about the seed bank stop start asking me if i remember you back remember in talking about the seed, the seed bank in norway which they'd built and it was supposed to be safe forever from yeah. climate change uh, and then nine years after they built it it, it got flooded flooded out. by melting ice water yeah yeah and we said then we didn't have a lot of tolerance for the people in norway for not realizing that was going to happen and uh, this isn't you're right it's not once in a lifetime nothing it's no. happening it's here it's going to happen all the time build better pig poo pots or even <laughs> more ideally than that put that on the t-shirt build better pig poo pots says dave even better than that just pack in with the pig poo pots in the first place very <laughs> so that is just about it for another episode of babble and may i say what a delight it has been to just have you and me prattling on to one another without any of these 
guests. Guests coming their, over here. Coming over here with their highfalutin ideas and brains, research and character. You, you know, sort of coherent thoughts. I got called a bloody... Paul Newman on Twitter, apparent fan of the babble, called me a characterless void in the first episode of Babel, which I was. Um, don't ever listen to our early episodes, it's rubbish. Anyway! Uh, <laughs> it's a bit mean, Paul. I mean, he's right, but it's a bit mean to say it, isn't well, it? Well, no, people just think it, don't they? But yeah. They don't point it out. Anyway, thank you very much, Ol, for babbling. Thank you to Arabella for so nobly reading out the eco-guff. Arabella, who has been with us for a very long time now, and has been a bit uh, bored for a while because we haven't given her any babble to read out. So. Yeah, sitting there twiddling her Scottish little thumbs. All right. Uh, oh hi She is Hang on a minute Hang on When did we last do a thing? A thing? May uh, June July Yeah She's had a birthday since then How old is she now? Nine Nine? Nine It was five when we started <laughs> How long have we been doing this for? I know oh my. She's nearly doubled in age Since we started this podcast hell. Uh, Thank you as always To the legendary Dickie Moore For the music that starts Ends and into Twinkles This He's podcast He's now 73 And to the wonderful Arthur Stovall Whose logo adorns it And adorns our merch Our lovely t-shirts Which we have finally Pulled our finger Out of our bottoms And made Go to our website Wobbly 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 Dot sustainable dot fish slash no don't do that go to that website and then click t-shirts yeah there's a bit on that website that says t-shirts click on it click on it buy t-shirts buy shit you don't need good you can get in touch with us to tell us all about your fecal soup or other matters by emailing hello at sustainababble.fish or you can tweet us at the babble wagon or you can just find us on Facebook by typing sustainababble and if you like what you heard you wish to give us a tiny weeny bit of money to help with the ongoing costs of it please visit our crowdfunder at wobbly 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 dot patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash sustainababble right you have a thing to say about hedgehogs I do Ol because it is autumn now correct Pretty soon, it will. People will be having bonfires, and it will be bonfire night. And the thing you must do if you have a bonfire is check that there is no hedgehogs in it. And here is, I thought I would leave you with a quote from the British Hedgehog Preservation Society um, about what to do. Should we say goodbye, and then I'll give you the quote? Okay. Bye. Bye. As hedgehogs tend to hide in the centre and bottom two feet of the bonfire, check by gently lifting the bonfire section by section with a pole or broom. Never use a spade or fork as these can stab them.